coming to you with words and teaching that will change your life forever. All things that you will ever need in your life, they're wrapped up in the Word. Go for the Word. You need to understand this thing. And when you get a hold of it, keep saying it. Don't stop talking it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. The Bible says in the city of Ephesus, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Can you shout amen? I'm set the course that I must follow. In the name of Jesus, prosperity is mine. In the name of Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Pastor Chris, word hearing. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. Say this with me. Christ has come. Christ has suffered. Christ has died. Christ has been buried. Christ has risen. Christ has ascended. Christ is now in me. You know why that is so important? You know why that is so important? There are three classes of ministry. I hope you, you can get this simply. Three classes of ministry. The first one is the ministry that Moses had. Uh, let's put it this way. You fulfill one of three classes of ministry. All right? The Bible tells us that God called Moses to take the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt and to take them to the land that he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, he brought them out of Egypt. That was one class of ministry. We call it the... Um, you know what I'm trying to think? I'm looking at your mind and what's going through your mind. All right. So, that ministry of Moses was to bring them out. But God actually said, bring them out and take them in. But he didn't do that. He brought them out. So, that's like the deliverance ministry, the set-free ministry, right? Deliverance. Okay? Now listen to me before you write, okay? Try to get it right. Try to get it right. I really want you to understand this because it's so important. So, in that class of ministry, it's a, a, a freedom mentality. Praise God, I'm free. He brought me out. Hallelujah. It's like the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So they're happy. They're celebrating. So, uh, up till now, we've got a lot of Christians. In fact, most Christians live in that class of ministry. They are very happy to have Jesus as their deliverer. He has delivered them. They sing songs about the deliverance. They have been set free. Set free. 
Alright? We are set free. Set free. You know, he brought us out. Set us free. Okay? Alright. Then there's the second class of ministry. That class of ministry is the ministry that sees prophetically the land of promise. They see it prophetically. Alright? They see it prophetically. Like the land of promise. So, God is taking you to a new level. God is going to make a way where there is no way. Um, great things are going to happen. They're, they're coming. The, the, the beautiful things are always in future. You get what I'm saying? So they're like Moses when he, when he couldn't take the, the children of Israel in. God said, you're not going in. Because, you know, he struck the rock when he was supposed to talk to the rock. So God said, you're not going to enter. So he brought them out but couldn't take them in. And he prayed to God, please let me go into the promised land. God said, oh, no, you don't. You messed up. Then finally God said, alright, now here's what we're going to do. You will see it, but you will not enter. So he saw the promised land from the mountain, but he wasn't going in. So that's another class of ministry. They've seen it. God's going to make a way where there's no way. There's a revival coming. The last day's revival. Signs and warnings are going to take place. So it's always the prophetic. It's always in future. They're always looking forward to it. That's another class of ministry. And those in the first class of ministry have a problem with those in the second class of ministry. It's amazing. It shouldn't be that way, but um, they got problems. And those in the second class of ministry are uncomfortable with, the, with those in the first class of ministry. Hi. You still there? So, there's another class of ministry, which is a third class of ministry. And that class of ministry... It's like the two phases that Joshua had. Like you notice, Moses had two phases. So he, he, he had two phases of his ministry and representing two classes. Coming out, they're out now. I thank the Lord how the Lord saved me five years ago. Praise God. The Lord saved me 20 years ago. Really? Who have you been since 20 years ago? I thank God for what he did for me. You know, this happened, this happened. He always, he always like saves them. They always go through something to be saved. Um, delivered. Brought out. And that can be your experience in Christianity for a long, long time. Like I said, people like that always have problems with those who, who are into the prophetic. They're always, I mean, I don't know if you've ever met people who always prophesy about the great things that God's going to do. You know, they're always hoping because God's going to do great things. God is going to do a new thing. God is. He always is going to. Haven't you wondered? It's been five years since that was said, and you haven't ended yet. He's always going to. Well, I was called into a different class of ministry. All right? Now, I don't have problems with those in the first class or in the second class. 
Alright? I don't have any problems with those in the first class or in the second class. But they will always have a problem with me. That's for real. Let me show you what that class is. I just mentioned it, but it's good for me to read it to you from, from the Bible. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. That's why if you're here, this is what will have to happen to you. Because this is the ministry you're exposed to. Your life is the character of the ministry you are exposed to. Joshua chapter number 1. And I'm reading to you from verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... It came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness... And this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong, and of a good courage. For unto these people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I saw unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Did you notice verse 6? Be strong and of a good courage. For unto these people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Two things there. As we read from verse 1 to verse 6. He said, take them to the land. The promised land. And divide for them that which I've promised them. In other words, like I told you, the, the promised land is not a type of heaven. It's our place in Christ that he has prepared for us. That's where he's taken us to. It is a place at the right hand of the Father. It is a place of glory. Hallelujah. Where everything is good. Everything. Is it an impossible place? Is it a real place? It is. That's the promised land. Flowing with milk and honey. Hallelujah. That's the place. So, the point here is, we have arrived. We are not those who just came out of bondage we are not seeing the promise afar off we have arrived let me show it to you book of hebrews <laughs> glory to god hebrews in chapter number 12 Woohoo! <laughs> you found it? Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll read to you from verse 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated, that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. 
for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Verse 22. But ye are come. I don't know what that means to you. Is that the same thing as ye are going? Ye shall arrive? He said, ye are come. Ye are come. What is are? Ye are come unto Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are registered in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. Oh, hallelujah. And to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Ye are come. Ye are come. You're not going to come. Ye are come. You have arrived. Do you understand? You have come. You have arrived. You are in that city now. You are not on a journey going to the city. I remember that old song that many Christians used to sing back years ago. We are marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. And they sang it happy. We are marching. The Bible doesn't say we're marching to Zion. That song was on scripture, but they didn't know it. They sang it happily. But to God, it didn't mean nothing. It was just as good as saying, Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh, I wonder what you are. It not mean anything. You might be crying, Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh, I wonder what you are. Doesn't mean anything. You can cry if you want to. And feel good if you want to. But it's empty. I wonder what you are. So he didn't say we are marching to Zion. He said, Yeah, come. You see, brothers and sisters, as long as long as you are marching to Zion, you will not enjoy the fruits of Zion. And then you're going to be angry with those who are enjoying them. You call them names, call them thieves, all kinds of names. That's what you do. Because you can't seem to understand how they're getting everything you are praying for. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can't understand. See, let's stick to the word. The word of God is available to every one of us. What, what? Just stick to the word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ye are come unto Mount Zion. I'm there now, the city of the living God. I belong there. I live there. You know, it's the same mentality when they say, Brothers and sisters, let us come into the presence of God right now. What? Where have you been? <laughs> you see that? Where, where, where have you been? Let us come into the presence of God. Come into? You see the mentality. And then suddenly they become... You know, they're trying to be... We're in the presence now. You're supposed to live in the presence 24 hours a day. Listen, you were born there. You were born into his presence. Listen to what Jesus said. Don't forget it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice, the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, the life. I wish I had time to talk to you about the, the old tabernacle. Then he said, no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is not our way. I feel like sitting on top of the Bible. On the... <laughs> do, you, do you get what I'm saying? 
Jesus is not our way to the Father. <laughs> he is not our way to the Father. Do you know who a Christian is? A Christian is not on the way to the Father. He doesn't need the way to the Father. As a sinner, you needed the way to the Father. So, he said, no man comes to the Father but by me. So, he was the way. So, we came to him and he brought us into God's presence to the Father. We are there now. We don't go away anymore. We don't need the way anymore. According to the Bible, Jesus is not our way, but we have become the way. You, you see the difference? There's a big difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And the difference is not going to church. It is a natural difference. A goat and a sheep may resemble, but they're naturally different. When you're born again, it, it, it doesn't mean uh, I am now a Pentecostal. I, I am now a charismatic. Well, that's not the meaning of it. It means your nature has changed. It means that you are reborn. It means that a new kind of life has been introduced into your spirit. You have been recreated. Whereas you were a sinner, now you are a saint. You may not know how to act like it, but that's what I'm teaching you. You may have never recognized the difference, but that's why the word of God enlightens you. Are you seeing this? Now that you're born again, the Bible lets you know of his own will begat he us by the word of truth. That means we're born of God's word of truth. That we should be a kind, a type of first fruits of his creatures. You are a special creation of God. Not the man that was born of your parents. That's why when you're born again, it is unnatural for you to have an inherited sickness from your mother or father or granddad or grandma or grandpa or in-law or outlaw. <laughs> All right? When you're born again, you don't carry any, you don't carry the genes of your father or mother. We need to understand this. See, this is the reality. Understand what I want to share with you. Is Jesus real? No, let's come to this thing. Is Jesus real? Did Jesus die to give us a religion? So what is eternal life? Eternal life doesn't mean life when you get to heaven. Eternal life was the best way the English could render what the Greek called Zoe. Zoe is the God type of life. It's a God type of life with the God nature. To be born again means that that God type of life has been introduced, imparted to your human spirit. And once that happens, you are awakened to the fatherhood of God. You have the same nature with him. The same life. It's a resurrection life. That's why Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. He said, if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall have no power over them. Why? Because you don't live by blood now. You live by the spirit. Now, once you understand this, if you had diabetes, it will be gone. If you had any disease in your body, it will be gone. Why? Because now you are activating the power and the life of God that's within you. Knowledge and proclamation is the way to activate it. You know it and you declare it. And that life is activated. Suddenly, the giant killer mentality is awakened in you. Suddenly, the success life is activated in you. You will never fail again. You'll find that all things work together 
All things function together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You just discover that you are a winner, a victor at every count. You will never be discouraged again. No matter what happens to you or with you, you just know. Not because, hold on, because there's a way some Christians think. They say, my God is alive. My God will not let me down. My God will not let me down. My God is alive. My God, God doesn't have arguments with that. He was alive before you were born. And you can be saying, my God is alive. He will not let me down. You will fall down. You will still go down. Yes. And that's what baffles many Christians. Say, I don't understand. Then they continue, even while they're on the ground. My God will not let me down. But you are down already. You can't get worse. My God will not let me down. In that condition, he will die. Suffering. My God will not let me down. You have been let down already. What's the difference? Okay. Let me show you something. On Wednesday night, I began explaining something along these lines. And I said, um, there are four factors necessary for us to put the word of God, the revelation granted us, to work. How can we have this thing come alive? It's one thing to study in the Bible, it's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to put it to work and see it alive in you every day. Then I said the first thing. Alright, can we go there now? Romans in chapter number 6. Glory to God. Ooh, hallelujah. Man, oh my. Mm. <laughs> uh, let's try and read real quick. From verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? Uh-huh. Hold on. Let's stop there for a moment. You know, some people are told to die to sin. Die to sin, brothers and sisters. It's time to die to sin. No, you cannot die to sin because you are dead to sin. As long as you are trying to die to sin, you will never die to sin because you cannot die to sin. You can't kill a dead man. Can you see why they suffer? They're crying, oh God, I don't understand why I'm always sinning. I thought I was a Christian, but I'm always telling lies. My hand, I can't even keep my hand, it's always stealing something. <laughs> oh God, I don't understand my life. Then they go, Pastor, pray for me, I don't understand my life. I'm so confused. I'm trying to die to sin. That is the confusion. God didn't tell you to die to sin. God said you died already. You are dead to sin. He said, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? He's telling you that when you recognize that you are dead to sin, you will live according to that word. Dead to sin. Understand God's word. Listen, I want you to get this picture. God doesn't tell you, oh boy. Let's put it this way. In the Old Testament, he told them, obey my voice. When you obey me, these blessings will come to you and overtake you. He said, obey me. Now, that's what many are trying to practice in Christianity. And it's wrong. In Christianity, you don't obey the word. I know if you're first time, ah! they said he will preach one kind of thing like that. <laughs> it's good to listen very well, all right? So if you came just to visit and you say, somebody asked me to come here this morning, sit here and remain here. Okay? So that you can learn it and know it and become a personal victor. Hallelujah. In Christianity, we don't obey the word of God. Ah, no wonder. Is it no wonder? No wonder they have seen us. <laughs> I'll put
push it home. In Christianity, we don't obey the word of God. You know why? Because there's nothing to obey. But what about what about when he says you should do something? Won't you do it? Is that not obedience? No, it's not like that. I'll explain to you. We'll come into the scripture in a moment. Let me give you the difference very simply. In the Old Testament, they were called to obey the word of God, and their blessing was preconditioned on their obedience. In the New Testament, we don't obey the word we do the word there's a difference between the two you say what's the difference okay one one of them that is the the man who obeys the word gets the word as a law the the word is outside of him he's told what to do because he's a man of the senses in the New Testament, we are not given the word. We are born of the word. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We are born of the word. Paul calls us living epistles. Now, what is the principle? The principle of the New Testament is what we call the mirror principle. He says, we look at the mirror and we see as errors. Then he says, if you turn away and do the wrong thing, you are a man who forgot what he looked like. You forgot what you looked like. Which means every time you study the word of God, you see yourself. So what do you do? Act what you see. That's doing the word. You act what you see. You're not obeying. You are acting. You are doing what you see. You are answering your name. I wish you'd get this. How powerful this is. Paul was preaching at Lystra. And there was a man who was important in his feet. And couldn't walk. Paul, the Bible says, preached the gospel. What's the gospel? Hello, Jesus has set you free completely and brought you a new life. There's no use being lame. There's no use being crippled. You are free to get up if you want to. You can walk out of pain. You can walk out of penury. You can walk out of poverty. You can walk out of death. Oh, that's the gospel? Yes, that's the good news. Now here is the result. The Bible says as he preached the message, he knew or perceived that this man had faith to be healed. He didn't pray for him. The man believed. So he said, man, get up. Now this man hadn't walked for such a long time. Probably from birth. At an instruction, get up. He got up. No prayer. He didn't even say, study it for yourself. He didn't even say, get up in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he was already preaching the gospel of the name of Jesus. He just said, walk. In other words, walk out of lameness. That's the reason it's given to us. Anybody can walk out of his chains today. You can walk out of any condition today. No preliminaries. No extra prayer about it. Let me show it to you here. Romans chapter 6. I told you the first point is knowing. The word is ginosko. Knowing. It means revelation knowledge. It is that knowledge that doesn't come to you from your brains. It doesn't come to you from school. It comes to you by revelation. It grabs your spirit and you get a hold of it. You just know. Look at it from verse 6, chapter 6, book of Romans. Knowing this, 
Knowing this, that our old nature is crucified with him. Our old nature is crucified with him. In other words, when he was crucified, my old nature was crucified. What do I have now? I got a new nature. I'm a new man. I'm not the same person that was born of my mother and father. No, no. I got a new life. I got a new life. I got a new life in my spirit. I'm not what I was. The day you're born again is the day that life comes to your spirit. And once it comes to your spirit, it's there. It's there. Whether you know it or not. But if you don't know it, you will live and act like those who don't have it. Your victory life is to the level of your appreciation of the life of God in your spirit. The more you know, the more liberty in the spirit you enjoy. The more you know, the more victory you enjoy. The more you know, the more glory you enjoy. That's what the Bible says, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from grace to grace. Ever increasing. Ever increasing glory. That's what the Bible tells us, that there are different stars. And that one star differs from another in glory. And we are all stars. But the more knowledge in your spirit the more the glory of God will come out, shine through you. Remember what Jesus said, let your light so shine before me that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. Hallelujah. You still there? Okay, knowing this, that our old man's crucified with him. Okay, we're in verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I hope you can catch this. This is something real big. Uh, let, let's go. You, you see it in a moment. He says, verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he lived unto God. Likewise. Oh. Oh. He says, Jesus already died. Jesus has come back to life. And now that he's come back to life, death had no more dominion over him. Then he says, in the same way, reckon yourselves. That is the number two, reckon. Number one is know. Knowing. Number two is to reckon. When you know it, Consider it to be so. That is reckon. Consider it to be so. Now that you know, consider it to be so. Some people have known it. They've made songs out of them. They quote them all the time, but they haven't considered it to be so. He died for me. Okay, he died for you. That means both of you are now dead. But God raised him up. So, was he raised for you? Yes. So, you died with him? Yes. Were you raised with him? Ah, uh-huh. that's the question. Yes, I was raised with him. Really? If you were raised with him, then why should sin have dominion over you? Why should sickness have dominion over you? Why should fear have dominion over you? Why should the world have dominion over you? Why should the flesh have dominion over you? You have a resurrected life. He says, death had no more dominion over him. Then he says, likewise, come on here. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm alive to God. Oh boy, if you begin to say that, doesn't matter what you've been going through. I'm alive to God. I'm alive to God. Every fiber of my being. Every bone of my body. I'm alive to God. Brother, how you doing? I'm alive to God. <laughs> I'm alive to God. I'm alive to God. That means I got the life of God in me. 
Can you see that now? Imagine if you had that mentality 20 years ago. Think what you, what kind of life you'd have been living now. All right, there's another 20 years coming. You better learn it now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm alive to God. Legos Kandrahiga. Huh? The word says, believe that because it's true. That's what I said in other tongues. Praise God. I'm alive to God. Now, woo, woo. Click. This is powerful. Look at it. Now, I said the first one is to know. All right? Knowing, knowing. Then the second one is what? To reckon. Now, when you reckon, look, let me read it for you. From verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves. Consider yourself. Consider yourself. Acknowledge it. Count yourself so to be. Count yourself to be alive to God. Dead to sin and alive to God. Count yourself. He says, reckon yourself to be so. He didn't say, if you feel like it. He didn't say, if you notice that you are. He said, in the same way that Jesus is no longer dominated by death. He said, you also reckon yourself to be dead. Why? Because when he died, you died. You were in him when he died. You were in him when he was raised back to life. So what? Count yourself to have died with him. Count yourself to be back to life with him. Alive to God. Then he said, let not sin. I don't know whether you saw that. I don't know what. Listen, this is very, very serious. <laughs> ah! He says, Know that you died with him, and that when he died, you were in him yourself to have come alive now and to be alive to God then he says something powerful don't let sin I don't know what you're getting there for some people they're seeing different things but I want you to see something he is saying I've got authority and I can do something you, you, you didn't catch that. Look, here I was, broken down in sin, broken down in, 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 in poverty, broken down in pain, in sickness, in condemnation. Then he said, hello, Christ died for you. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Then Romans chapter 6 verse 8. You died with Christ. Oh, two things. He died for me as my substitute. But again, I died with him. So I was in him. In other words, I died. This is the legal aspect going along with the vital aspect. The legal aspect was he died for you. The final aspect is, you actually died as well. When he died, you died. In other words, I was united with him in his death. He was born of us. In the spirit, I was united with him. You know, when a man and a woman get married, they say they have become one. Alright? That is one flesh. That's what the Bible says. Okay? But the Bible says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So I was united with him in his death. So not only did he die for me, I also died with him. So when he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. When he was raised to life, I was raised to life. What does that mean? I didn't get a religion. I got a life. 
So I'm alive to God. So he says, reckon yourself to be alive indeed. So you are alive to God. Then he says, now, don't let sin reign in your body. Don't let sin reign. That means I am not a nobody. He is counting me to be able to say no. Can you see it now? So I'm no longer the beaten down, defeated somebody that is a nobody. But God says to me, now you can stand up to sin. That means you can stand up to the devil. That means you can stand up to poverty. Oh my goodness. I can stand up to anything. Glory to God. It'll get better. Watch this now. What verse is that? Boy, verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the loss thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Say, I'm alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You know, I don't understand why I can't stop smoking. There's nothing you can't stop anymore. I don't understand my life. I'm always doing the thing I don't want to do. Hey, sin shall not have dominion over you. Nothing can have dominion over you now. No habit can have dominion over you. Hey, yeah, yeah. Can you see it now? Why? I'll show it to you. Look at your Bible again. Can you see your Bible? Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? Notice that. Obedience unto righteousness. Oh my goodness. Listen to this. He said, ye have obeyed that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Meaning that when you obeyed the gospel when it came, righteousness was granted you. So that's when you came into the kingdom. Now, one obeys sin unto death. And then in the death, he dies. One obeys the gospel unto righteousness. And in the righteousness, he lives. Okay, if you didn't understand that, just write it down as I said it. One day you'll catch it. I want to go, I want to take you somewhere. There's something beautiful I want you to see. <laughs> Verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. That's what I was reading to you. That form of doctrine which was delivered to you. You were the servants of sin. Didn't say you are the servants of sin. You were. If you're born again, you're not. But watch this. Being then, mm, this is the construction. This is the uh, uh, one of those Pauline arguments that some of us find very interesting. Listen to this. It's very powerful. Let's read it slowly. Verse 18. One, two, go. Being then made free from sin. Paul knew that that was a, kind, a, a paradox of some kind. So he said, Oh, listen, listen hard. I want to read verse 18 into 19. Being then made free from sin, Ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. 
Listen to what he's saying. He says, now that you have been made free from sin, you have become servants of righteousness. He said, I have broken it down and spoken with the language of human beings because of the weakness of your flesh. Like Jesus said, the spirit indeed is willing, the flesh is weak. In other words, as long as you function and, and, and reason through your senses and try to understand this thing through your senses, he said, you can't get it. So I have to bring it down to human communication. The freedom mentality. That's what he's talking about. I know what Paul is trying to say. And I want to show it to you from the word. Because it's right there. Come here. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when, this is the point, watch it now. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Pause. That is why Paul said, he, he said it the other way and said, I speak after the manner of men. Hoping that you will understand. Watch. Being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. Paul says he doesn't like that construction, but he has to give it. Okay, when you are made free from sin, listen to me, this is beautiful. Who sets you free? Who set that person free from sin? Talk to me. No, being made free from sin, that sounds like I was brought out of sin, you know? I, um, I was set free from sin, so I can come out of sin and say, ah, praise God, I've come out of sin, right? That's the picture. So, he says, being made free from sin. So we know Jesus is the Savior and He made us in that sense free from sin. Jesus must have been the one. Is that correct? Yes. Hey, come on, talk to me now. Ain't it clear? Who else could make someone free from sin? Okay, so Jesus made us, in quote, free from sin. Okay? So being therefore made free from sin. You have become servants of righteousness. Beautiful, beautiful thoughts. And I told you, Paul quarreled with that. And he said, I have to bring it down and speak with the language of men. Okay. Now, in verse 20, it says, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Okay. So, let's read it in the same vein. When ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. So somebody delivered you from righteousness. Who could that be? No, it's not possible. Uh, I got you now. I got you now. Did you hear what I said? Look at it. Two things. Free from righteousness. Free from sin. So Paul says there's something wrong with that construction. Free from sin. So he said, I, I had to say it in the, in the language of men. So they could understand. Then he put it the other way. So we could understand what the language is communicating with us. Free from sin. We can see that and say, well, Jesus has set us free from sin. Okay, free from righteousness. Who could make somebody free from righteousness? Set you free from righteousness. No, but he said us. He's still talking about us. He said, when you were the servants of sin... You were free from righteousness. So, who set you free from righteousness? That's not a possibility. Because you were never in righteousness. And if you were truly in righteousness, no one could set you free from it. So, what does he mean by that construction? What he means by free from righteousness is righteousness free. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen. Listen. Hello? Did you catch that picture? Hey, come on. He means, when you were servants of sin, you were righteousness free. Think. So, the idea that Paul is communicating to us it's not that somebody set us free from righteousness, but that we were righteousness free. 
There's a big difference between the two. You can be free from debt and be now declared debt free because you have paid your debts. But you can also come from the other side and be called debt free because you didn't have any debts. Now, this is what Paul is talking about. There's a man who had a debt and the debt was paid and the records now show he no longer owes. So, he is now free from debt. He was owing. He's free from debt. So, he may now be called debt free. But he's from the zone free from debt. All debts cancelled. Or fulfilled. Or paid. But this other guy from this other side didn't have no debts. And all the records were checked. And they said, well, we understand his financial status. Debt free. How many of you understand the difference now? Okay. This is what Paul is saying. So let's read. You ready? For when, verse 20, For when you were the servants of sin, you were righteousness free. You get it now? Righteousness free. That means there was no righteousness in you at all. Not that you were delivered from righteousness. You get it? You were righteousness free. There was no righteousness in you. Or even about you. Okay. Now, when you have that sense of it, we move to verse 20. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made... Aha! So you read it right this time. Being made sin-free. And become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Being made what? Sin free. This is what Paul is communicating. There's a difference between delivered from sin and being made sin free. Oh dear. Now once you can understand that. Because it has to do with your nature. To be born again means that you are a new species. It means that you got a new life. You don't have a past. And because you have this new life, it's a sin-free life. If it is sin-free, it is debt-free. That means death. D-E-A-T-H. Death is not working in you. That means you are sickness-free. That means you are disease-free. Are you catching it now? That perception, that understanding, that revelation will change the way you live. That mentality will change the way you live. Completely. Say this with me. I'm sin free. Because Christ has given me a new life. I'm born of God. I got the life of God in me. I'm sin free. I'm sickness free. I'm disease free. Fear free. <laughs> the Bible says there is no fear in love. For perfect love casted out fear. There is no fear in love. And what are we born of? Love. We're born of love. God is love. And if you're born of God, you're born of love. So you're fear free. You're born of God fear free. So when you, when you have fears coming to you, that's an outside force. In the same way that he says for you, don't let sin reign. In the same way that he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The same way you resist fear. You say fear, get out of here. So if you are attacked by sickness or disease or infirmity, don't cower. Don't break down. You may feel the pain. 
You may not be able to walk and you go like this. Still say, in the name of Jesus, I am what God says I am. Doesn't matter that you feel a pain on your back. Doesn't matter that your head is hurting. Still say the same thing. I'm what God says I am. I'm alive to God. I've got the life of God in me. I resist pain. I resist disease. I resist sickness. Can you see that? And you find your life going from glory to glory. From glory to glory. No fear in your life. No defeat in your life. You watch yourself making progress continually. You see the Spirit of God rising within you all the time. Hallelujah. Wow. So I've got a glorious life. Every day of my life. I'm strong. With the strength of God. I've got the ability of God. In my spirit. Hi. Hallelujah. Lift your hands toward heaven. Talk to the Lord now. This message is an excerpt from a volume series of teachings. To order for the complete volume, log on to www.christembassyonlinestore.org.